0: Is slashers your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media? My name is Jake, and with me, as always, are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Adam, Doug,
1: and Price. Goons, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. What's up, all my squishy prime directives?
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Doug. Actually, I'm Robo Doug today. So I got Robo
1: Cock. <laughs> And Bryce, how are you, my friend?
3: I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm very excited to be discussing this film. It's it's legitimately my favorite film of all time, and uh, and I stopped hiding behind irony, and now I just openly, I'm sort of very free with my love for it, which is uh, that's called aging. Yeah, there I'm you leaving. go.
0: <laughs> you care less about what others think of you because honestly, as a European, you're entitled to love this movie unironically because it's at our expense as Americans, right? <laughs>
3: Exactly. Yeah. But the Homer man, what a fucking legend. I know we're going to get into it, but yeah, this is legit. My, uh, I saw it in 88 and, um, I'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it.
0: Hell yeah. So this is part of our may be it's a horror film series and I'm just going to get it out of the way because honestly, this is one of easily my top five favorite films of all time. Like unironically, just like Bryce said, I love it. Like I get teary eyed watching it because I love it so much. And it's like one of few things I enjoy from my childhood. So my thesis as far as establishing this as a horror film, Adam, Doug, Price, would you concede that all of the Universal Monsters films are horror films?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, Invisible Man's probably the worst one.
0: And (laughs) And he's invisible. I love where you're going with this. (laughs) I have one already.
1: End of podcast. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. It's been nice having you, Price. (laughs)
0: the mummy is a man resurrected for another man's purpose the wolfman is a man imbued with terrible power who is revolting because of it and afraid of his family dracula who must live on the bloodshed of others frankenstein a reanimated corpse the invisible man a marvel of modern science who has to hide from the ones he loves due to that very same thing. And if you want to count like Phantom of the Opera, Creature from the Black Lagoon, La Belle and Le Bet, uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, I think those ones speak for themselves. And as such, I have established the horror in less than 30 seconds. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
2: you got to think too. This also falls under the revenge whore uh, as well too. So oh, you know, yeah. I spit on your grave, a mm. uh, toxic avenger as well too. You know that f- definitely, yeah. It's it's gets all that mixes it in a blender and uh, yeah, this is this is scary for even kids because I remember I was scared of Ed two hundred nine as a kid,
0: <laughs> which is very deliberate. Like when you get into the design elements, it's pretty interesting. Definitely,
1: <laughs> that hand scene is is scarier than any kill in any slasher film of of the top three, we'll say
0: which one he gets his hand blown off?
1: Yeah, what other hand scene? You ever yeah, watch it yeah.
0: in slow motion though, because you could see they pull the prop hand off. and if you add like a it's very funny <laughs> Now, Price, you said that this was one of your favorite films of all time. Uh, and we had talked about when you were on the show three months ago can you believe that uh that you agreed that it was horror is there any specific thing that you would look to to say that it could fit that genre
3: i mean yeah i mean the the obvious what you picked up on was i i've actually always championed that point like to my friends or as far as like traditional like monster tropes there's always an existence of the old memory meets uh, rubbing up in contact with the new, um, with the new person they are. Whether it's uh, Dracula and those kind of that like friction, remembering the old world or having empathy, but then still being a sort of like grotesque monster out yeah. to like kill or whatever. I think there's like Robocop kind of embodies that more than anything, and like all the sort of I, well, I'm such a Beethoven nerd that I've like pretty much read everything on Beethoven and. And like all of it, he's always sort of maintained that, you know, he was like, well, to me, this is a, this is a story about Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is great. Jesus Christ's resurrection. Yes. Yep. So he's always, he's always like come at it from like that kind of biblical uh, resurrection point, which is brilliant for like an art house director. to oh, yeah. To make it like on paper, the schlockiest, you know, I didn't like the, the, uh, the, the, the title RoboCop. Yeah. I didn't understand it. Um, but then it's just like lean in like as Verhoven always does. But I guess, yeah. It's, Horror—it definitely stayed with me my entire life. I saw I saw Robocop, Predator, and Beetlejuice on the same night when I was ten years old. Wow! Oh shit! It, Jealous. Like it, that I is like amazing. The, co- the coolest babysitter of my life, and pretty much those three films <laughs> defined and established my taste in cinema and like what I make now as a yes. director. So like, Behoven is God. Uh, John uh, McTernan is God, uh, and Tim Burton has his good days. Exactly
4: right.
0: <laughs> The pre-Dumbo and Willy Wonka times were really good.
3: That babysitter sounded pretty
0: godly. Yeah. So uh, this is a great time to plug the Action Man Battlefield casualties once again, because if you put that in this movie, seamless to the other seamless. ads, the SUX 6000 and everything, were you a little upset that you hadn't gotten this out in time for that whopping 2014 reboot?
3: Oh, God, what a what a disaster that was. I mean, I'm, I'm excited at the re-re-reboot. Yeah, right.
0: Um, RoboCop returns with not Neil yeah. Uh, yeah,
3: but <laughs> yeah, no, pretty much all my, all my sort of glitchy VHS, I'm just ripping off the beginning to Robocop, like all the kind of like the, the way the squares build on the, um, in you know, on the news report and the sort of the, the sort of satirical commercials. That's pretty much, I've like stolen Behoven my whole, my whole life. So I, I, am uh, just like lean into it now. What's well, great about Paul. It, it, when, I get, it, well, go ahead, Adam. I have a lot to say,
0: so I'm going to give it to
1: you. I got to say. Thanks, babe. I got to say, your Action Man commercials, I feel... Would be a better fit in part two than the commercials that were in that one. Honestly,
3: yeah, that's actually probably a very good point. Like the um the sunblock, right. the sunblock ad is pretty amazing. They kind of play yeah. it pretty dry. He does a sort of Dutch dryness on the first one. Yeah,
0: yeah. But when you look at his Dutch films, they're all very conventional. I mean, he actually won an award for like the best Dutch film of all time, which is not to say just a World War II film, but you know, it's very of its genre, right? Whereas this just. Blows the doors off of 17 genres as it just like raw dogs you in the ear with amazingness. So before we get to everything else, I have to preface and preview. Remember, on this show in July, July Sick Park is coming up where we're going to do dinosaur content. Now, July is the seventh month. Of the year. And the seventh issue of Robocop, The Future of Law Enforcement by Marvel, features Robocop fighting and killing dinosaurs in a theme park attraction, which came out in 1990 before the Jurassic Park film. So while it might have been derivative of Crichton, it was not derivative of Spielberg. Check it out. Had to get that out of the way. And the film itself, made on a budget of $13.7 million, shot from August to October of 86 in texas fuck that no could you think of anywhere you'd rather not be in a, a wet suit covered in fiberglass yeah. in the summer
2: oh yeah well i read too that uh you know he was losing three pounds a day being in that
0: suit just imagine that just all that sweat <laughs> and he was a track runner at the time
3: oh yeah I'm betting he loved the days where he shot without pants. Sorry. Adam, it, was- yeah. okay. All the sort of the makings, all the makings of it, this, the problems with the suit up until like the day of shooting and like having to adapt the entire way that he walked just because the suit didn't fucking work. And then like, and it all kind of materializing and like actually making it better. And that kind of like staccato, like, Always body popping. It's that kind of like old school. I remember being into like yeah. watch, watching yeah. break dance one and two around the same time. Like I, I remember watching, going, "Shit, man, Robocop's like a sick dancer." Yeah, <laughs> he's just <laughs> yes. like uh, ro- like you know, Robo Boogaloo.
0: Yeah, you're yeah. entirely right. So Mani Yakin was Yakim was an Israeli Juilliard professor who taught movement, and they had worked for seven months on that kind of methodology, which he described as more serpentine. And then Rob Botten comes in. It's like, here, put a bunch of fiberglass on that doesn't fit and takes 10 hours to fit. Let me say a lot of like, even Paul Verhoeven has walked this back and said that he was an asshole and insensitive at the time because he's like, hey, just fucking do the thing. Have you ever sat still for 10 hours for your in your life that you were conscious, like not asleep? No. And then been told, hey, do something incredibly physical that completely undercuts seven months of study and practice
1: dude i got stuck in an mri for two hours and i freaked the fuck out 10 hours no fucking way ever like yeah. Oh, yeah, a legend.
2: So you're sitting in a chair for 10 hours getting all this makeup put on and you're already tired just from sitting there. Your ass is probably hurting. And then you're running around jumping in between like when he's he's in the parking garage jumping down up, da- you know what I mean? Like just imagine that and then if you move a certain way, you're going to get yelled at cuz you're cracking some of the suit and they're like, "We told you not to move that certain yeah. way." Like, "Man, I'm fucking stressed out," you know? But hey, kudos to him cuz I one time put got a um got a head plaster put on and I was in there for I think Three hours doing that. And that's where you can only breathe through straws and everything's covered up. And uh, yeah, that was that was an experience. I enjoyed it, you know, but uh, it's I could see how people claustrophobic, you know, that's that's like that's like being in a saw trap, you know? Yeah, for sure.
1: I've always wanted to do the head cast. I've never mustered up the courage to do that. So again, props to Weller. And Price, you could talk about this. The
0: pressures of a film set where you have a bunch of people staring at you being like you need to dance, monkey. That's a tremendous amount of pressure to put on a singular person who, especially he was supposed to have the costume before principal photography came in. He got it the day of, so we don't even get two to three weeks early. We get late on the day. That's
3: crazy. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, I I just, I have this like warm feeling where that all the problems that they encountered ended up making the thing that we all hold so dear to us. So maybe it could have been overly overthought and they would have, I don't know. There's something about the the sort of the clunky of everything with with the sort of the energy of the and like the, the choice selection. And I, I always like I, I reference, I mean, sorry, it's going off the robot suit, but that that like first like first six, seven minutes, mm-hmm. it's like it's almost like it's not a one-shot, but it feels like a, it's just like chaos. And it has like you don't you don't breathe until yeah. he finally dies. And like you, it's like I don't think there's any yeah. any movie I can remember where like the energy like carries on for that amount of time, and I just—I mean, like I say, I rip everything. <laughs> everything I do, I rip, I rip off the Hoven. Same with like Total Recall. That's another day. Yeah. But I mean, that's um—you know—he's just. Uh... But the robot, the the suit would have been an absolute nightmare. I can like all the stuff, like the f- sort of PTSD you get from having a problem where the whole movie is this one suit. It doesn't work. Now we have to like completely re re um, redesign everything and. Yeah. and You know, from shot lists to from angles hiding the back that the back wasn't built, but we can get some preliminary shots when he's in a chair. And like it just it would have been a nightmare. But I mean, I don't think the nightmares always end up as like the the movies that you remember the most. Maybe
0: I completely agree. And I always talk about this. I never care about somebody on your best day. I don't give a fuck. I want you on your every day. I want you on your worst day because that tells me how good you are. Right. The fact of like, you know, it comes to MMA to a certain extent. Like, I'm always a little bit frustrated because I'm like, you you've practiced so well. Like, I have such a tremendous respect for that last minute replacement. I have such a tremendous respect for the people at their worst who could still accomplish something because without polish and preparation like this, this isn't even like he wasn't prepared. This is like I practiced like I studied German and I had a test in, in physical education. It's just a completely different category of thing. And so they shut down production because of this goddamn suit. And he was fired. He said he actually, at the time, he didn't know he was fired. His agent just called him and said, do some damage control. But years later, he found out he was definitively fired and only basically rehired because the suit was fitted to him. They couldn't get Lance Henriksen. They couldn't get Michael Ironside and all these guys. So they come back, you know, him, and Mike Medavoy, Paul Verhoeven. They sit down and they're basically like, look, we're not leaving until it's fixed. And they figure this whole fucking thing out. And then he goes and studies Ivan the Terrible, the 1944 Sergei Eisenstein film featuring Nikolai Cherkasov. Yes, I watched it because that's how obsessed I am with RoboCop. I watched a film from 1945 in black and white from Russia. Thanks, guys. But it goes to show you, like, this is not a bit part guy. This isn't a silly guy. This is like a serious method thespian price have you ever had somebody make you call them by their character name on set
3: not yet but i mean i've had i mean i could talk about actors forever but i mean <laughs> I, I guess everyone yeah they all have, i mean it's like i guess whatever works you know i know they were asking him to call him robo and stuff when he was in the makeup chair which is like I find that quite hilarious but
0: right paul yeah, van Herben just I said no saying. he's like i'm not doing that that's silly
4: <laughs> yeah <looks> <laughs>
0: <laughs> which just shows like Paul Verhoeven is such an enigmatic beast. He's like, I know what can get me the best performance. Like he would act out all of everybody's parts and say, but you do it. You, I'm not an actor. You're an actor. But then even though he knows how to butter people up at the same point, he's like, I will not butter you up that much. Fuck off. That's stupid. Yeah. I
3: mean, I think by, by that point, like they probably were all calling it just because they were like, okay, whatever. Because, yeah. you know, you, we all know that um, like Weller definitely had, he, you know, he rubbed up against a lot of people in Hollywood and like, you know, he's a very opinionated guy and he, you know, he thinks he knows best. So, but you're like, like you said, he's the one who's fit for the suit. So we're rolling with you and we'll do whatever you say, Mr. Weller.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But Rob Botten was so like disgusted with attention from set. He didn't even come. He just had the robo team do it, which I can't blame you because if mom and dad are fighting and you have Verhoeven not talking to Botten, not talking to Weller, that just sounds like chaos. And if you have the team, use the team. Adam, what were you going to say?
1: Oh, uh, I was just going to connect it back to uh, the the troubled production and everything. I've been stringing all the uh, maybe it's horror movies together with some sort of weird little thing. But uh, yeah, big troubled production on this and kind of the same thing with Freddy Got Fingered. And I mean, it's like, would we have loved these films if the production went as they planned? You know, you got to wonder if that magic came from the destructive force of chaos that, you know something to yeah. think about
2: and you know peter Weller got to go wax his carrot to his thespian acting uh in naked lunch after this so there you know you he he got his uh he got his comeuppance at the end so
0: yeah but it, you know when things go smoothly when things go well it can be very sanitized and mundane boring Verhoeven wanted this pristine future so when Neumeyer came up with the idea he was actually working on the set of Blade Runner in an unofficial capacity he would finish working at Warner Brothers in his trailer go out literally behind his office where they were filming Blade Runner and just do whatever he could to get experience right and Blade Runner is just an enigmatic mess of the future which is such a fun visceral lived-in world even more so than Lucas I would say and so you have that. And so some, like, it comes to Joe Davis and the d- producer has to tell Verhoeven, it's like, look, do you want the pretty future or do you want a really good RoboCop suit? Because you can only get one. But like imagine a world where he just had an infinite budget and we had RoboCop in a world that's just as shiny and pristine as he is. That movie sucks.
1: Yeah, dude, I was literally just thinking in my head the grittiness of the first film is what makes it the masterpiece because the sequel sequels are so much cleaner and it's just like this doesn't feel the same. It's the second one is like Ghostbusters 2. It's like the Saturday morning cartoon brought to life of RoboCop with, you know, like child soldiers.
3: Yeah, totally agree. I'll tell you, that kind of like, and because it was old Detroit, it sort of had, you know, there needed to be that grittiness. And like, because he was the sort of the savior or whatever, the Behoven's Mm -hmm. fucking messiah, like symbolism, whatever, especially like the whole opening sequence, all handheld, super. And it's like, it's basically like a, I mean, it's like a, you know, it's a, it's like a war era propaganda film, which I know Behoven, one of his biggest, he was making propaganda war movies for the Dutch government. And like, the right wing government, too, which I think
0: plays yeah, tremendously exactly. into this with the Reaganism. Yeah. Wow. Yeah,
3: completely. I missed mean, the call again. The fucking 80s, man. What, what I, I mean, they did make some great fucking action movies. Yeah, right. as, uh, as opposition to that kind of like super right.
0: Exactly. I don't think a lot of people appreciate the satire of 80s action. Yeah. The Star Wars reference. Exactly. Yep. But Verhoeven, like, you know, when left wing politics started to come is when he and his wife looked to come to Hollywood in 85. I mean, he was, was he was so new in the States that when he read the script through the first time, somebody refers to somebody else's brother. And he actually wrote in the margins. This is terrible screenwriting. They've never established that these people are siblings because he knew so <laughs> little expressive English. He didn't know the turn of phrase and then he ends up making this incredible satire that just it cuts to the bone of 80s politics and consumerism and he rightfully so he wins a saturn award spoiler alert
3: yeah i love that i love that like you come off like Spetters and agent orange um is agent orange no um,
0: soldier of orange yeah
3: like his like dutch art house i mean that's like my favorite i talk about this all the time like my favorite movies are by like the smartest people in the room making what appears to be the, the most lowbrow piece of shit. Yeah. And when you get like the real brains like doing that, it's like there's something like layers to it and so much like meta satire that it's just like always gonna be better. And like, I just love that the done that his entire life. Even, like Showgirls, I think is one of the, I think it's better than Casino. It's <laughs> like one of the best like Vegas movies of all time. He um, showed up for and- his
0: Razzie for that, which is fucking balls yeah. awesome.
3: Yeah. And it's hilarious. Like you've got people who don't get the sort of the humor on like, on like some sort of these action movies where you can still be enjoying it, but like laughing your head off. And it's not like broad comedy. It's just that it's so ridiculous that you can't help, but like just let exhale laughter. And I, yeah. I think that's like why Robocop now has like some of the greatest lines in, in cinema. One being he's really good. Yeah. On the gun range, you know, from you know, from like, can you fly, Bobby? And just like fucking absolutely played so serious and like directed so well, but like ridiculous dialogue. And like, I just, I just like, I don't know. I think it's like one of those movies where it appeals to everyone, I guess, from like action movie to horror to, to even comedy. I think it's like one of the, you know, it's my favorite movie. What can I say?
0: If I may, my favorite of those lines is somebody want to call a goddamn paramedic is the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Which, again, (laughs) it's not a funny line. It's just when you juxtapose it with this carnivorous destruction of this poor man atop a model, there's no way he's alive. Now, Doug... You've also directed films, and I have to toss this up to you. You have used shoestring budgets to effectuate some awesome effects, some truly revolting effects, if I may. Uh, Can you imagine being in a scenario where you're making these kinds of effects with this kind of just frenetic pace? I mean, let's give me your experience as a director. How does this mark up to you?
2: Oh, well, I mean, the effects, uh, we're talking about like Ed 209 and all like the stop motion and stuff, right? So, I mean, that still holds up. to this day, I think. I think the only one, like for your background there where the guy's falling out the window, I don't think that one holds up as yeah. well.
0: That's why I have to laugh. It's the only effect that looks like ass. Even when Little Robocop is on Ed 209, it still looks amazing. And I'm like, what? This isn't allowed yeah. to be this good. Can somebody give them a memo? This movie's not supposed to be this good. It's called Robocop. The lighting
1: on those miniatures just superb that's what sold them yeah so
2: if <laughs> a little plug here for for gross house so film gross house we we did some stop motion and then in don't touch that dial which is available on trauma now um we kind of did a uh, it was more of an homage to uh i, I guess uh robo cane from Robocop 2 because mm-hmm. you know that had uh it um, it that one that one's more of a monster flick and i yeah. love like these claymation stop motion monster films and uh yeah so ed 209 was a big inspiration for big beta destroying a uh, long beach and don't touch that dial and it's it's a lot of work and the thing is our you know our stuff was shoestring budget so it's close to i'd say it's even lower than the end of evil dead where you get like the clay oatmeal kind of yeah, coming right. out it it was just me and my buddy alex uh in a basement making these effects and ed 209 and the stop motion that was a huge part of inspiration and you know that's it, it still holds up to this day i love it like just the little details they have when ed Nine falls down the stairs and you get the little uh oh, basically like, the f- the feet the pig twitching squealing and stuff. sound too i mean the pig squealing you know, sounds the lion roar very disconcerting I mean, yeah it's it, it's great so they really create a character with it oh yeah like there's just so much detail that i i think when you do cgi it takes away from that because you know that people work their asses off to frame by frame each second of uh the movements there and yeah, just just think. Uh, you got to think like when you see like the little gears spinning on Ed two hundred nine. Like just that detail they oh, have, like so just the tedious. little gear spinning. Oh yeah, no, it's so that's yeah. If you want a monster movie, this is definitely it, which fits into horror. But yeah, I'm I'm a, just a huge fan of all that stop motion and and and
0: creature effects that you know just holds a deep place in my heart. Well, and Phil Tippett was an Academy Award winning special effects guy he'd won for return of the jedi he was nominated for dragon slayer this dude was amazing like they got so into the theory of these things like nothing in this film is flippant right even ed's grill they were very they would concede it makes no sense to put a grill on it but it's detroit city metal right so they had that but originally yeah. the grill was upward slanted so it looked like a smile they were so meticulous in how it would be perceived they flipped it i'm mean, like that's just so brilliant to me that they like stopped and thought of how it, like what sense it would evoke from somebody for what is the clown yeah, of the movie conscious. yeah because ed is the clown he, he loses on all he never is effective it, arguably he, he does fuck up robo a little bit but my point is, is like he does that but he doesn't get all the way to fruition and death right so he never wins you know he's the it'd be like if ivan drago just kept slipping on banana peels He'd be like you fucking idiot
4: yes
0: but it's still good. <laughs>
2: and after rewatching this again uh, this morning too, it's kind of like a breath of fresh air. Cause uh, I watched a uh, spiral, the the new saw movie last night yeah. and that movie portrays cops, you know, like the, the, the negative cops, the, the, the dirty cops that are getting into these traps. And then when you watch this one, it's like, Oh yeah, you know what I mean? Like the, the cops are kind of the good guys in this one here. So it was just kind of nice seeing that, that, that teeter totter dynamic uh, between the two. So, you know, you, you see what's socially relevant now. And then you watch RoboCop. It's like, yeah, they've you know,
3: yeah, you've got with social relevancy. It's a good point because you've got like the sort of militarization of police force, and also the privatization of like you know, that's it's all like so ahead, like thirty years ahead. Yeah, of, of its oh yeah, head. the like, private sector it, you stuff. You
0: know, mm-hmm. Yeah, and would you have to look at it? They do an incredible job. Like Bryce said, the whole twenty-five minutes until Murphy dies is a just a psychotic pace. And they give you exposition and they never have to cheat. They never do a crawl, never. a voiceover, anything. Everything is organic, informative, and, and you know, meretricious. At the end, immersive when she sees yes, when she sees that gun twirling, if you're you know, you know, in any other movie, you're like, oh, that's cute. This is the only connection they had. They worked together for a goddamn day. And it's so good because you never stop to think, Ah, oh, it seems kind of trite. Like he had a family. Doesn't have no, to try. He twirled a gun. Visual. Boom. So let's talk about the writing, yeah? Mm-hmm. We got nothing but Ooh. time. Ed Newmeyer, like I said. So he comes up with the idea for RoboCop while literally working on the set of Blade Runner, which is about a cop who catches robots. And he is like, what is this movie? And they point at some lady in a tutu and say, well, that's actually a robot. And he's like, that seems awfully weird because his experience with robots or like your C-3PO's and Day of the Earth Stood Still and whatnot. So he starts to have this idea of a robot cop movie. And so he meets Michael Miner who wants to do, uh, funny enough because Price has also done music videos, a music video featuring a robot. He talks about wanting to do movies where a person becomes a robot through some kind of accident or whatever, almost like a trite $6 million man, right? And then they fuse those ideas together in just this perfect thing, which could otherwise be so trite and contrived. Uh, How does it hit you, Adam? Let's go with you first. Just the writing specifically.
1: Uh, I just think it's beautifully done. Like like we've been saying that just the whole opening of the movie, it just does minimal with the writing. But just the dialogue, the visuals, it all sells it. And it just it works. The writing is so simplistic, but you You're so deep in like when those commercials come on, you feel like you're in old Detroit, just like watching TV there. Like it it just it immersive is what I keep going back to. I think it just really gets you on board and it tells an awesome story that could have been fucked up in a billion ways. And it's it's simple. It's honest and it's fucking badass. I won't even say it
0: could have been fucked up in a million ways. It should have been. Like I said, this movie has no right yes. to be as good as it is in a lot <laughs> of circumstances. <laughs> like you think At about all. it, like it's co- it has a very contrived name that almost drove everybody away. Nancy Allen talks should shit. Should have been a talks shit. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, Peter Weller talks shit. It, so much so he was going to uh, he gets courted by Dino De Laurentiis to do uh, King Kong Lives. And he has a meeting with him and he asks him, how much do I have to pay you to not do this stupid fucking robot movie? Because everybody is, you know, in the know is like, this is stupid. But then the writing ends up just anyway. Doug, I didn't let you have a a chance. to What do you think about the writing?
2: uh well i think you just hit the nail on the head it's very satirical and uh the the way this would have worked here i feel like if it wasn't done by the right director or like even by the writing too because uh it's it could have turned into like something like heartbeats and i brought that up last time you know what i mean where it's just like uh kind of campy or or it could have been robocop 3
0: or inspector gadget right like he's a cop who's a robot too that fucking was stupid (laughs) And I, just, right. That four years on this movie. Well, and I think what was so
2: predominant with this too is like not only with the right, like because uh, if you watch it, if you turn the audio off and just watch it, it's almost it's it's shot almost like a like where you get the frames. It's. It, the the pictures tell a story it's like a comic book yes so it's it's perfectly mm-hmm. li- one frame leads to the next the vi- like I, I mean the dialogue helps with the script too but the way it's put together it's just here this leads to this this leads to this there's no um there there's no boring parts at all there's no time wasting there's no filler it's just one leads to the it's other like trimmed. you said with the spinning gun Exactly. And all the characters have something to do with it. You know what I mean? Like when Robocop it comes into the precinct for the first time, you could have done a whole bunch of dialogue like, oh, yeah, so he's coming in here. No, it's just he walks in. You see the shot of all the, the yeah. cops running to see like there, there's you could have added so much dialogue in there to, to push the story, but it's visually engaging.
0: Now, Price, do you think that has to go to the European filmmaker who's not relying on the words, but the images? Because like we said, Verhoeven, his English was very poor at this point in some sense.
3: Yeah, that's a really good point, but um, definitely he was, there was like, I mean, when they were storyboarding it, I'm sure there was like a graphic, there was some graphic novel play and I'm not sure who the original Mm -hmm. storyboard artist was, but as far as the writing, yeah. On you, you hit. I, you saw something really fun. You were like, "It should. It doesn't deserve to be as good as it is. How can it be so good? I mean, I still have to sell it to people who have never seen it. I'm like, yeah. "Trust me, this is my favorite film. It's Robo. They're like Robo Cop, really, mm-hmm. and people are talking about like Stalker by Tarkovsky, and I'm like, "No, nah, man, this is the greatest movie yeah. ever made. And um, it's funny, like. All the, all the sort of the, all the tropes with like, you know, like sci-fi, police, but then tied together with that sort of, with the human memory and the idea of being trapped in a body and not being able to express yourself. All those like, that shit is like terrifying yeah. to a human. And I still, I get like, my, my, my arm hair stands out even when I think about like, imagine being transported back to, well, being transported to a place where you think, this isn't me, I am not who I am. I was this and now I'm this. And like, that's like, that's, that's horror in itself. Yes. Like that idea of being a prisoner. Existential crisis. You know. I think the writing, the writing got so many fucking great layers as well as the amazing action schlock kind of like pulse to it. But the sort of the human, the human kind of ideas about what, what it is to be human, man. I think like it's so much bigger than the, than the film. And yeah, you know, that's, I think that's why people like those moments where, you know, just even layers. like my like shooting much your name, Murphy. And like, you know, those those fucking great. It's just like punch the air. Yeah. Like we are human. And we're, you know, yes. it's uh, again, it's so- we
0: should sit there and roll our eyes at that line. But it's such a good payoff. I've literally so, been in midnight screenings where people scream yeah, that fucking name.
1: It's Tom Hardy with Venom, man. It wouldn't have been the movie it is without Tom Hardy. Peter Weller made this film. It's like uh, we were talking earlier. I popped on RoboCop three. I was like, this is just bad. And it was just 20 minutes in before you see RoboCop. And it's not Peter Weller. And it's like, I'm I'm out. As a big fan of Fred Decker,
0: Robocop three wounds me in a lot of ways. Cause it's just, it, fa- it's, it's just like, funny enough, Buckaroo Bonsai. I should, on paper, I should think Buckaroo Bonsai is the best fucking movie that's ever existed. And I should tap dance with it is awful. I it just think that movie.
1: It, it truly you just disgusts me. I've seen it five times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> John Lithgow is literally the only redeeming part of that movie. And then you have this movie where, or when when I say this, I'm talking about RoboCop 3, where it has RoboCop, where it has Fred Decker, where it has ninjas. Fuck that movie. Now, Doug, you're a guy who gets into some weird film theories with me, and I love this. I have a theory. Before the film starts, Murphy's already dead. He's in hell. Would you like to hear why, sir? Oh, let's hear it. Shoot, shoot, shoot your load. So why is his kid dressed as Satan in their picture? We've established he's a big fan of something like TJ Laser. Why Satan? Why would the little boy be? Hmm. Why is it that Dick Jones, when he's falling out of the building, his arms are so stretched in this uh, unearthly kind of way as he's being pulled not to the floor below, but to hell?
1: Adam has an interjection. For his son. I mean, his son's just metal as fuck, like his father. (laughs) but when you think about the movie everybody's dead
0: in some way or another like lewis you don't know that she's going to be okay sure there's the very poetic line about how they'll fix everything but basically all the main characters die or are dead or they just disappear the wife and son just disappear not be i mean there should be some consequence there so I know it's not the strongest theory in the world, but I think that you could even the writing is so solid. It lets you extrapolate onto ridiculous theories like this all takes place in hell, right?
2: I could see that. Definitely. You know, make a new sequel. RoboCop goes to hell, you know, to be better than Jason goes to hell. (laughs) I would really like that movie.
1: Yeah. And I mean, those criminals are basically just roaming free. I mean, Dick Jones just bails out the worst criminals like there's no consequence to them. They're basically running the asylum. So I could totally see that whole hell angle. Yeah.
0: And then so when you get to RoboCop 2, that's during a writer's strike. Michael Miner just had a kid. New Myers working on other projects. So you know, that's where the whole Frank Miller thing gets in. He had been trying to shop around Mars attacks, which is just it's so crazy. All the things that have happened in this franchise and all the amazing people who've been involved. But I feel like we could get a huge it off in the weeds there. Again, going to very specifically the specificity of the film, there is no ambiguity there. They didn't fall into legendary status when it comes to the writing. Minor has been very public in speaking about the militarism of the police, police spending and all of these things. Talking about how Dick Jones is like a huge emblem of that. Dick Jones is such a good character in this that whenever I hear the Dave Chappelle bit when he says, Rick James, bitch, I always think Dick Jones, bitch. Uh, can you all speak to that as far as like how well-written that character is specifically? Because again, kind of shouldn't work because he almost feels, you know, like in Dark Knight where there's the Joker and then there's Two-Face. There's an extra villain and you're like, why? This one still mm-hmm. works. How is that allowed to happen?
3: Oh, you mean as far as like Dick and Clarence?
0: Exactly. So we yeah. just saw the the worst guy in the movie bleed out his neck violently. And then we oh. get a whole extra one and that one's yeah. almost better, even though it's got the worst effect.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. Like yeah. it's as far as I think it's, I think Dick's probably one of the best baddies as, as far as like power. And I mean, he does plays the same character in total recall, which is yeah. great. Like, I mean, like what? Like, why would you not change? Why would you change him? Hey, just, just don't so, fix it. They brought
0: like, back Rob Botton and everything. Yeah.
3: Yeah, man but like Clarence Boer like scared the fucking shit out of me as a kid yeah. and then when it came to, when it came to Jones and because he's in a suit and he's presented as the sort of likable the face of a you know a corporation when his flip and he's like you better take me in and like when that line happens and it's like uh, that always I always yeah. get like a massive feel on that and you're like oh my god the fucking you know the, that power the corruptible power yeah. on top and it's a classic thing as far as like corporations being evil, but to see it personified in like one perfect villain, like amazing. And Clarence, Clarence also, like like my, my favorite line from the beginning, can you fly, Bobby? It's just how what a great way to set up a villain. You bought the fucking money. And then yeah. just can you fly? And just amazing. <laughs> just with like a couple of lines of dialogue. But um, yeah Jones is still I, I, I still reference Jones as far as like archetypal like bad guys all the time. He's he's perfect.
2: Well, I th- well, the way I see it too was um, so so the whole thing w- with Dick and then Boddicker, it, it, you could see it as like the corporate level where Dick is yeah. the one in charge, but his 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 um subtext or like kind of his his alter ego is Boddicker. I mean, you know, granted they're two different characters, but that's showing you what it is like underneath, like the business suit and stuff. Boddicker is his alter ego, if you will. I mean, you know, it, that that makes sense. You could see that like, you know these people in in fucking suits can j-
0: just be as sleazy as the uh, drug pushers on the street if not more so because it's not even mm-hmm. just being opportunistic they're orchestrating all of this shit adam this is a, a cue for you mortal Kombat 1995 you think that uh the bad guy is shape shifty mick cranky boy but then at the end they reveal shao khan and you're like oh there's a whole other tier of evil but it's hinted at so nicely before do you notice bob morton there's a line that shows how machiavellian and evil ocp is when he talks about how they specifically put prime candidates in terrible areas to put them in a greater sense of risk and danger to die and have their body donated to science fuck that's evil
1: dude he's he's one of the greatest he's such a fucking maestro i mean when clarence shows up at his house and and just basically unloads into his fucking thighs it's like dude that's that's monstrous it's monstrous like the the gun violence in this is some of the most intense shit ever done in the 80s the squib work is just but then like you see (laughs) that he's just the pit bull on the chain to dick jones he's like hey bitch you on your knees yet it's just like oh fuck it's it Bring it back to the Dark Knight. We'll go to the Dark Knight Rises. It's just being like, do you feel in charge? And it's just yeah. like, oh, fuck, you know, and you still see you, you're still seeing Clarence as this monster up until right in the neck. But then, like you said, you get that whole extra. You get the Shao Kahn, but you get that scene in the movie. You get that fight. So it's mm, chef's kiss.
0: And Ronnie mm. Cox, a guy who'd been very conventional and fatherly in a lot of his acting, gets to just be a dirty prick who wipes his shit-covered hands in a man's hair. Ew. Ew. <laughs> yes. I'm, I, I have a method to my madness here, and I'd like to talk about next. Pazel Paladorus's musical score. This is a guy whose career is my life. We know how much I love Conan the Barbarian. Fuck, I listen to his scores more than anybody else. Take your Hans Zimmers and your whoever the fucks and go to hell because the march in this movie is so triumphant. It's like the anvil of Cromp. I mean, it's so good. Can we talk about the music? Anybody, whoever
1: wants to go first. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, it's it's amazing. And the thing is, like, uh, maybe it's because I played the NES game a lot as a kid. <laughs> when I hear it, I, I think of the NES version of that that song. You know, uh, beep, boop, beep, boop, pop. Boop, beep, boop, boop. it's
1: just and that so score good. just makes
2: so much oh it's so great and that, and that's why i think the well robocop 3 has it but robocop 2 i think that's why it gets a bunch of notches down for me
0: because of the fucking score yeah dude not as good
1: exactly it makes it feel like i said again it makes it feel like the saturday morning cartoon brought to life you know that's it number one just has the grittiness and that score and it just makes it
0: and bryce is a guy who's you know, directed and coordinated with music. When you hear stories about Paul Verhoeven going to Pallodorus' studio and like literally miming out the motions that he wants this guy to do to encapsulate that, does that speak
3: to you as an artist? That's like a perfect storm because you've got when you, you know, with any like Verhoeven or any other director, when you've kind of got this, you you have this idea, but like you need someone as talented as him to kind of like bring it to life. And all it takes is something like stomping an aroma and you know that I guess all the all the sort of like the I guess the sort of the militaristic themes all play into that as well and it's still sci-fi twist but like yeah I mean it's one of those um it's funny because you I didn't actually know he did Conan uh I I wasn't aware he did so that oh yeah it's a good thing you just yeah yeah, but no, I'm really into um. Yeah, it's it, even from the opening with the 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 Robocop logo um coming onto the screen and then like which da, da, even that then,
0: hits hard. It's not like a slow fade. It's like ba ba ba. I love it. Yeah, and also he came back with Verhoeven and they did Starship Troopers together. And I think that shows like that's lightning striking twice. Ooh. You know because. It shows that the music is even satirical because when you listen to that score, you're like, holy shit, this is mocking the
1: fuck out of the military industrial complex. It is so good. That is why that movie is as good as it is. Holy shit. I never noticed that or I never knew that. That's that's fucking amazing.
0: Mm hmm a movie is very underrated and I'll be happy to do this on their show. Anytime I'll remind you, we're doing alien shit for uh, August. So if you want to see starship troopers, let us know. Now uh, he had gone through like five or six different themes before hitting that March, which just shows you like how it, it, deliberate it is. Uh, can uh, So th- we often compare terminator to Robocop. And I think very unfairly, like, Da, da 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 is great. That theme is great. Mm-hmm. How do you compare the two? Because honestly, while I think that one is much more cinematic, again, I think that this song goes to the satire of this film and is a character. It's like its own jester, which is also triumphant. It's bizarre to me.
3: I think also like um, I can't. You, like, I wouldn't be able to sing it. But even the the moments in Robocop where he becomes self-aware as Murphy. Especially with the, the orchestral music, comes in. You know? Yeah, and like, yeah. and we're going back into the home that's now empty with the remnants and the flashbacks, even the score there and how it builds into the punch through the TV. Like, that's like, that's like fucking like absolute, like, you know, the best scoring you'll see in any movie because yeah. that build, that, that kind of build, you know, hair on the end of your arm, on your arm, standing on end. Like, that's like, that's all you're really doing as the composer, as well as giving like a main theme. To, to come back to in like mining keys and shit like that. But like it's it's a I mean it's a perfect film. Yeah. <laughs> in every way. Yeah. <laughs> from fucking from you know, script writing to composition to you know to to Weller to Verhuman. It's just like every element for me ha- could not be any better because if it was, it would be different. Therefore, it's not the film it is.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, Price, did you ever buy that? Um, I, I think it was out in the 90s, that that Laserdisc version of RoboCop. It was like the Criterion version where that was, I think that was like the first time it had like the NC-17 cut. Yeah, um, dude. I mean,
3: yeah, well, I got, I first, sorry to interrupt, Doug, but when I, yeah, I first got the Verhoeven copy on a illegal pirated American VHS. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw that, that was like game
2: over, man. Like with the extra, especially with the the
4: first kill
2: in the yeah, See, when I seen that, I'm like, oh my god this movie This movie was on. Uh, well, I seen this before I watched Toxic Avenger, and then you know when I seen like that, I'm like, this is like it's comedy, it's action, it's gore, it's horror. It's a Swiss Army like, knife, man. It's just everything in in, in between. I love it, yeah. and it, it's over like that. And so the
1: rewatchability is just fuck. Just c- keep it going. Now I want to make my uh, my weekly David Lynch reference with Uh, the song, how it builds, how satirical it is. I can only uh, compare it to uh, Angelo Badalamenti, I believe his name was uh, Laura Palmer's theme. How it's just so satirically like soap opera, John Marsha, as it builds and shit. But it's still just it's fucking perfect. Like on cloudy days, I drive around with that song on repeat. It's just so epic. And that's kind of where I put this. Oh, uh, absolutely. And in terms of, I guess... I have to tie this around
0: because if I don't say this, somebody will, you know, lynch me for it. Uh, David lynch me probably. But Orion <sighs> Films had also done Terminator, and there are cuts you can find of the first trailer of this film that does have the Terminator theme in it. So I said it; you really? can't come back at me mm. at it. Boom, Doug. Okay. Can you think of another film because uh, you have a great wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things cinema, uh, where it does such a good division? Where it is this fractal thing where there is percussive, industrial, Trent Reznor, militaristic marching on one side and sweeping orchestral humanity to completely just show how staunchly divided he is between a a machine and a man. Can you think of anything else where it does that? Because even movies like Cool World or things where you enter a different world don't do it as well as this movie with that partition
2: yeah it's it's weird i'm, I'm trying to think I, it was kind of a jump of the gun moment here but I, honestly i think the first short circuit like I just, was just that
3: about to say short circuit yeah Dude, yeah the so three that. of
0: us are doing short circuit i don't know <laughs> about him this guy fuck him we could do all short circuit because doug and i talk about short circuit too all goddamn time I
3: wrote I wrote, I wrote I wrote a thesis about short short circuit at my university i mentioned robocop briefly but it was all about short circuit yes <laughs> oh
2: yeah well now that i have you on here price i was gonna say honestly like i was I telling Jake this. I think short circuit two is one of the best sequels ever made ever. and the best written things. Like it's, it's just how the fuck do you, you make it so like those two guys that Brent Maddock and SS Wilson, when they wrote it, it's like you took this character from the first one that was more of like this object going in between. You make it so realistic and so down with people that are trying to, um, you know, g- immigrate to the united states and make it this thing that's like oh you go to a city and it's just i'm bewildered by everything and, and but yet you're naive and you get I, I don't know i just think short circuit too is one of the best written s- movies i i can't explain it and, but we're going back to the music the first short circuit has that um kind of that like did do 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 do, do yeah. and, and that kind of goes very, in with it yeah
3: and also it starts so militaristic as well with all mm-hmm. the you know the the, the robot when they unveiling them for the sort of the, um, the demonstration for the, uh, for this, for the buyers of the arms.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's that same MIDI keyboard where you get that militaristic tone and then you get that robotic tune. And then you also get like, um, Ali Sheedy's music when she's on. So it's just, it's just the music goes with what's on the scene. Like if I hear the music, like just the, the original soundtrack score by itself, I automatically know what scene that is in my head because it, it just matches so good with what's on screen. So
0: and the first one is is kind of silly, right? It's just, oh, kid, it's just a robot movie whatever. And it almost like serves to show why people were cynical of a film like RoboCop. It's just like a quaint silly idea. And then RoboCop happens and then the next year you get Short Circuit 2, which basically is Newmeyer's original idea where you're imbuing the essence of a soul into a robot. And I think that like honestly RoboCop and then Short Circuit 2 are a delightful double feature. I I stand by that.
2: Oh, exactly. Like, for example, like, like, uh, like Murphy is just learning, is, is, and that's why I think Robocop 2 could have been a little more like, cause at the end of this film, he says, I'm, you can call me Murphy. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's already building on that, but where Short Circuit 2, you already established that, you know, he's a sentinel being. Yeah, other people don't believe that. Yeah, other people are just treating him like shit. So yeah. he's like, he's like how Ben's being treated like shit because he's an immigrant. And it just, it just goes in so well. Fisher and, Stevens. uh my, yeah, my girlfriend. Uh, she's from Peru, and I remember she. She's a citizen now, but I remember when she first moved here. Um, from and she did high school. She was getting treated the same way. Ben, you know, what I mean? where you just don't understand, like, uh, you know, like um, American slang, American way of life. And you're naive in that, and people could take advantage of you easily. So, you know, with RoboCop, uh, he, he's programmed to, uh, you know, be this good cop. So I, I you could see how the naivety uh, – naivety, that's a good word uh, – could have been for, you know, future sequels. Well, they
0: do that kind of in, in tube when he becomes – you know, he has every prime directive that you can imagine, and he has to literally – kill himself again and resurrect himself again to have his own sense of identity which yeah. is still an undercut sense of identity like that's yeah. another thing i wanted to do when i tie into the hell analogy he, this is sisyphus pushing a rock up for all of eternity he is not a free man he only exists in so far as he has utility to the police force right like he is not he has no free will he just goes back to being a cop and I think that's so interesting. and I'm so fucking grateful in two that they didn't do what I worried they would do before I saw two. The first time I was about to see two, I was like, oh, no, Lewis got shot a bunch. Lewis is going to be RoboCop's girlfriend because ah! Verhoeven even wanted them. To be related. But I was like, could you fucking imagine like his and her RoboCops and just the terribleness that would have been? But luckily, we escaped that fate.
3: It would have been heartbeats. I pitched a comedy comedy short for this brand where it was called Do you remember that dog Boo? Yeah. We were gonna have Robo Cop. And it was like (laughs) it was basically, yeah, Robocop has to be more likable. So they get him a little boo cop. (laughs) Yeah, for a for a brand that never never bought it. Too expensive to license, apparently. I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah, but like lol's.
0: So let's go to the design of RoboCop, because I think that also ties in with stuff like, you know, Short Circuit is so interesting because it's a puppet. Right. It's it's that movie succeeds because it evokes a sense of humanity out of an inanimate object. This movie does the reverse where it subverts your uh, like you transpose. We as humans see things as anthropomorphic. You know, you could look at an image. Oh, that's a face. Other species don't do that. And so when we look at things, we see a human. But to see a human turned into a robot, you know, they, they reference Fritz Lang's Metropolis a lot. Day of the Earth Stood Still, and all of these except C-3PO or whatever. This is my favorite on-screen robot I have ever seen, or cyborg, rather. Uh, anybody want to take a crack at the costume
1: by Rob Botton? No, I just think it's fantastically well done. I mean, it's it sets itself apart from anything else really on screen. I mean, Day of the Earth Stood Still kind of had that complete, smooth face with the visor look but this this brought the humanity in with the mouth and it just i i really dig it i dig the size of him i dig the sound work they did with it because it's just so believable he sounds heavy he sounds like a force like he sounds like something not to be fucked with and that could be wielding this machine pistol with just brutal accuracy and just mow down anything it wanted and it just it I don't think anything has really succeeded like this since it just it feels original. Well,
3: I like that point you mentioned about. Sorry, um, yeah, the point you just mentioned about like weight and gravity—that's like something I remember, mm. like thinking as, as a kid. Especially when they like, did the really nice um, pre-foreseeing, like the you know, like when he when he goes, he could crush every bone in your hand. Like that scene, like oh, yeah. giving you reference oh, yeah. of the strength of the object that. And then you realize, oh my god, this thing can like it can like break, you know, punch through walls with X-ray vision. Oh yeah, hilarity. Oh shit! I wanted to, this is what I wanted to talk to you guys about the fucking biggest, uh, you know, fucking um, flop, the sort of the the, the mistake in cinema history when he bounces on the mat on the crash mat. <laughs> yeah. But he's been he's been punched out of a second story window. The camera onto
0: marble, right? Yeah.
3: It, what, like, the fact that he released it on DVD And like, and, like Blu-ray now, I was like come on at least do that one <laughs> No I love it
0: It's hilarious oh, it, it, Maybe maybe
3: he's a little oh, squishy
0: He had a, too much sizzler And he yeah. had a little bit of uh, bounce to him
3: Yeah but he was meant to be Falling from a great height And then when you see it he just, It's not even the bounce It's just like he just falls like this far Should out we say, like,
0: No for sure Rubber cup Ah there it goes rubber cop that's a good promotion you should have robocop selling rubbers I know. well <laughs> i'm sure ah. you guys all felt the same way but if we're going
2: on the costume i got
0: chills watching it
2: again too um and as a kid too it always gave me chills as well um when you hear robocop sounds of him walking that like oh. it just I, I get chills on my arms hearing it and and it's so distinct sound like it's just a little amazing. mechanical noise yeah no it's, it's great foley oh, sound I'm you Super know what i mean God. yeah and you can pick up that sound like if you just hear like a little like when he moves his arms oh it does and just even that like when he moves his arms you automatically pick robocop like as soon as you hear just one little snippet of that
3: which has been copied in so many films like tracking you know and just the pov viewpoint which is like that was so that feels still that still feels now like so ahead of its time so futuristic the pov and just the way they established the birth and there was that really cool thing, like Verhoeven said he wanted to like leave that black for like a minute, <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: which I
3: think is so funny. I mean, he was like, Very the, you know, to, yeah. we're going to birth the robot. has to come from it has to be a believable place. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so we're, we're, clearly, we have to have a whole minute of silence, and then the, then the robot is birth. I'm uh, sorry, a bit like John Connery there. Sorry,
0: your your Verhoeven is great because I've listened to so many fucking interviews and stuff lately that it's burned in my brain. But what one of the things I think is amazing about this film, and so ahead of its time, is it teases and mocks the idea of capitalism, commercialism, marketing. They RoboCop is not mm-hmm. meant to be efficient. He is meant to be a fucking brand. So if you don't like it, if it is hokey, it is only insofar as it is a product by OCP. You know, it's it's got such a get out of jail free card because it's not just a like RoboCop two with Kane. That is a machine that's meant to kill in police. That's all that's meant to do. It is not meant to be, you know, doing photo ops with Rudy Giuliani, which, yes, there is a photo when they were doing Boy Scouts for the rub out campaign, which Boy Scouts rubbing out, I don't want to think about.
4: <laughs> but
0: oh, goddamn. It. Oh, it's I true. Know. You can look up the pictures. Uh. But, you know, you look at this and it's got. Like I said, this great get-out-of-jail-free card, but on the other side, it's got this amazing intricate detail, and one of the things I always loved, and let me know if you guys picked up on this, RoboCop has toes, and that that always spoke to me, this is not a suit, this is his new body. And it was such a delicate yes. little thing, but I remember even having the toy had that specific articulation and it meant so much to me. And I'm not a foot fetishist, I swear on my life.
1: Dude, same thing, same thing. It makes it sets it apart. It makes it that robotic man. It's that's just another part to it that's so original and I feel sets it apart from so many other robot designs that had been done. It's just, oh, it's so brilliantly executed. It knew what it wanted to be. It did it with purpose. Yeah. And Price,
0: uh, were you a fan of Judge Dredd? With
3: I actually love, really like this. Even this, I love the Stallone movie and the um, and the uh, and the new one. I mean, like yeah. I, I read 2008 D as a kid, but I, it was a little bit too adult for me. So when there's when they did the sort of the uh, monthly Judge Dredd annual, which yeah. I, then I I started collecting from number one. So I was like I was a huge Judge Dredd fan, probably as a result of like RoboCop and Terminator and just the kind of like even though he was a human, it felt like there was something else. Yeah, he's on. a force
0: of nature, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, what's fun. crazy
0: is how much he informs this film and what's great is just like you, I was not fortunate enough to be, you know, reading Judge Dredd before I saw RoboCop, but what's great the, the symmetry of the characters so much so that Rob Botton did a full sculpt that looks exactly like Judge Dredd for one of the costume ideas. Uh, you know, Speaking of that, where a guy gets to be judge, jury, and executioner, that is wrong. That is not right. And we still root for him because it has this great unequivocal satire and everything. So much so, Ed Newmyer gave Paul Verhoeven, Earth AD, or yeah, sorry, Earth AD is a misfits, uh, <laughs> Judge Dredd comics to read to prepare for this film. It's amazing to me.
3: That probably helped also probably led, led into the, the graphic, the gra- graphic design nature yeah. of the storyboarding and the like just how uh, like yeah, graphic novel it, it all feels, you know, it's handheld, but it's still like the shots are still like, you know, you, you could easily draw those and have a sort of a sense of action or purpose in every frame.
0: And it's framed and shot so well that when you need him to be a lumbering mess, he is. But when you need him to have agility and stuff, you don't feel like, hey, what the fuck? How did he suddenly do that? No, it's just shot in a way where this big lumbering thing looks dynamic. Because like when Ed shoots the missile at him in the hallway, all he's doing is falling over. But it's shot in this dynamic way where it looks as though he's bullet time leaping in max pain, for Christ's sake. So yeah,
3: yeah. I, I, one of my favorite like mo- sequences is when he's rolling down the car park. Oh, so good! Mm-hmm. To escape. It's fucking like, brutal, man. It's like it, it's such a, like a brutal like escaping your death scene. That's like, I mean, it, we can't open fire. He's a cop. <laughs> you know, it's like, so like just. I mean, it's a it's a, it's just a joy, man. I, I I've probably seen it more than I've than any other film I've, I've watched ever, and every time I'm like still enjoying it like the first time I ever saw it, and like. And like, you know, I'm sure you guys all have like your friends where you still like send memes or clips. And it's like those those films are like live on, you know, after childhood throughout the rest of your life. But like there's a reason that happens because it's just like alchemy that works. They shape you. And yeah, mm-hmm. clearly.
0: Well, and going to the biblical thing, like that scene is great. You know, it's a way of getting around it where he falls, 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 falls uh, because he can't run. Right. But it's this like lashing. It's this pounding, this suffering. And as he's falling, you know, after seeing the cops effectively betray him, it has that biblical sense. It has that feeling of like, truly this, I tell you, Peter, that you will betray me three times before the rooster crows. We are like, holy shit. Like, he, it's, it's so meaningful when in actuality, it's just cops shooting, you know, a guy in a, in a plastic
1: suit. That scene too. Uh, his relationship with Lewis is just like it's so cemented there when she just gets him in the car and they get out of there. It's she is just one of the most badass like partners, sidekicks in a movie fucking ever, hands down.
2: And, and, oh yeah and and it didn't take that approach because when i first seen it, i remember she was getting like oh she's gonna be the badass cop where you remember when she she punches the guy in the precinct and he's like oh here's your new partner it's like well neat. you better get ready i was i was waiting for her to be like well what the hell are you Look, you know what i mean like to to diminish him saying oh you're not going to survive rookie yeah you know but she's not she's welcoming and that's really that's that's very different she so. buys him
0: coffee they talk i mean she's a great figure and so she has this maternal sense about her while also being an independent badass woman who albeit victimized she doesn't go to the point of fridging which we talked about on a prior episode
3: yeah she does have that opening line which is like yeah i, I drive when i'm breaking in new recruits and then he then he steals the line back <laughs> off though which yeah. has a really nice head-to-head i love that he might be a
0: robot that's capable of crushing bones but they're equals and i love that I have to talk and about is,
3: and she is fucking badass. Like yeah. when she kicks, she kicks, does that like uh like a roundhouse kick on that guy, and it's amazing. It's yeah. like the, the coolest one of the coolest scenes. And she done. was just the bitch
0: from Carrie. That's what she was before this. And then she cuts off her iconic locks to look rather butch, but functional and great. And she's truly a gem.
1: I don't know. I find her like so much more attractive in this film just because of her character. Like, honestly, she is just that yeah. kind of badass. Mm-hmm. It, it's so much. Just the haircut and just how she does it. Just, mm, yes, Lewis, kick my ass. It's the chewing gum, the, the
3: bo- it's blowing the bubbles. The bubble bubble. Yeah, and right? Gum is, like, super badass.
0: It has this comedic mm-hmm. effect going beyond like Roddy Piper and stuff. It's this idea of like this situation is so not tense to me that I can also yeah. multitask and shoe gum. Yeah. I have to talk about Dale Martin. He was a special effects coordinator. Every bullet in this film, every squib is effectively three squibs. Every blood pack is three to four times what they would usually do. So aside from I RoboCop. Was
1: say. Yeah. They look look at Lewis's chest
0: when... She, her chest is hemorrhaging blood when she is shot. I mean, I'm not just, just trying to shoehorn this back to being horror, but can you think of another movie that just is so uh, sludgy as this one when it comes to the bu- gunfire? You
1: had me at Frankenstein. Yeah.
3: Maybe maybe Predator.
0: Maybe. Yeah, that's a good one. Carl Weathers arm like, falling the
3: Robocop's cop, are the top. Yeah, yeah. for like, yeah, squib work. Absolutely, man. It's like... Just that the first execution there two oh nine. It's just chopped meat. It's like it's not human anymore. It's amazing. Yeah. It's Speaking seriously. of
0: chopped meat, they have a great bit in our RoboCop remake where uh, Randall Kim, uh, he actually like they put ground beef in his leg, and that's just delightful <laughs> yes. to show what's left of Murphy. Doug, sorry I you watched were saying it this morning. <laughs>
2: Uh, no, I was just saying, and, and, you know, when you saw this for the first time, you knew you see something, you saw something special when you saw just, they didn't cut away from him getting shot like any other movie would have, would have cut away from, uh, you know, when, when Ed 209 shooting that guy at the table. I'm just like, holy, like everyone, like who's seen it, like for the first, like, holy shit. Like, it's just, yeah man, it's so drippy. Like, I haven't seen that many bullet hits since, uh you know, the wild bunch or something or, uh, or Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie you know what I mean? Bonnie, it's yeah. just
1: exactly. Bonnie, yeah. Yeah. Godfather. Mm-hmm. Good Which, reference. Yeah. Yeah, There were more squibs on that guy than there are in most films. Yeah. Well, one of the yeah.
0: things that Verhoeven talked about is in the you know, we'll call it the exsanguination of the film where they're you know, cutting it down so it's not NC7. Well, we have been X at that time. But when they're trying to cut it down, he talked about that taking away from the violence is arguably more violent, is arguably more disturbing. When you cut to see someone's expression, think about all of the characters that you root for are fucking scum, dude. Like, Commando is scum all these guys are terrible people like short of like a John McClane which really starts to kind of redefine that John first blood Rambo very specifically you have those guys who are very reactionary. But by and large, when you have people just mowing down people, that's disgusting behavior. And so that was his view of violence is so unique. And I don't even think it's just simply European. I think it's a guy who worked in right wing media and also who was born at the tail end of the fucking Holocaust. Do we want to go there? Are we going to go there?
1: Yeah, let's go there. I got to say it just it's so effective. Like I said, just more to your horror point, seeing Ed just mow that guy down and just Murphy losing his hand. That is some of the goriest shit I've ever seen. Like that sticks with me more than anything, anything I've seen in horror. Like, honestly, there's, I struggle to think of a scene that fucks with me more. Well,
0: and think about this. The guys who get it the worst are the ones who are the nicest. Mr. Kinney is not a bad guy. Alex Murphy is not a bad guy and they get it the worst. Clarence Bodegra is so lucky that he only gets stabbed in the fucking neck. You know the guy, the, the stupid, stupid asshole who yeah. can you fly, oh, Bobby? Guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay. Well, that's a that's a fair point. <laughs> I,
0: I, I'm walking that back. Emil does have a a certain comeuppance like to him. The that's the best. A
3: little, the best one of the best deaths ever, ever in, in a like film. Kind of a horror sequence. Well, I've talked so. about that on yes. this show
0: too. I remember walking home as a kid, and I I had this movie on VHS. I had I had each one that I had collected, and then I had the box set. I, mean, I was obsessed with this movie. And I get home from school and it's on cable and I'm like, well, certainly I can't turn it off. It's fucking Robocop. I have to watch this, even though I could just pop in a VHS because I'm just weird. And I remember thinking, oh, they just censored the word fuck. Oh, they're censoring this. Surely they will have to censor him being liquefied. And I remember that's where my perception of censorship just got fucking flipped was I was like, oh, this is bullshit. We just had to cut out a dick, but we have this guy literally liquefying and that's fine. And that's why I say butt fucking all the time. (laughs)
4: That's, that's
0: <laughs> but fucks for all. But then so let's go back 1943 Verhoven's family moves to the Hague and this is you know World War II and you had literally there was an armament factory where they did V2 rocket launchers and it was being constantly bombed by the allies and he literally would walk across the street and see dead bodies he would hear the sounds of bombs shaking and people screaming and people dying as a child And could you imagine for a guy who lived through war in his formative idea and identity of perception, like imagine what he must think when he sees these action movies where it's like, oh, there's no consequence. That's not that guy doesn't have a family. He's just someone who's in the way of Arnold Schwarzenegger. What do you think about that? (laughs) Huh? Huh? What do you think about it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd be pissed too. You know what I
2: mean? Like he probably, uh, you know, when people get punched and stuff, they don't have any blood or anything. You're like, what the fuck is this? And I'm sure the art department, when they're like, Oh yeah, more squibs in the blood. They're like, well, but that's just a little too gory. Like, what do you know? He's like, put the fucking blood on there. Yeah. And, uh, you know what I mean?
3: The Hovind's one of the, one of the cases, uh, one of the only positive cases for a traumatic childhood yeah. working mm-hmm. out good because all that fucking All that adultification that he probably witnessed and the gore and the explosions and the noise and all the visceral fucking energy of war, like that's all inside him. And he's just like putting it on screen and going, yeah, it's just how it should be.
1: Trauma makes some amazing fucking art. Well,
0: funny you say that because Newmyer actually called Verhoeven a visceralist, specifically not a visualist, because he w- makes you feel like that next bullet could be you. It feels like it all has consequence. It feels like it's really happening. Yeah. You watch John Wick. Everybody's being shot in the fucking head in jujitsu. And you're like, ah, that's funny. This is fun. I'm keeping a little tally of all the people who've died. I never feel in danger or jeopardized or compromised or that this is real. This it feels more fictional than the fucking Avengers, but this movie feels like this is just a couple years away
1: at all times. Yeah, dude, Ed 209, that scene, like you feel uncomfortable. Like you feel like you want to get out of the way. Like you've only got fifteen seconds before you're gonna take a hit. And,
2: and you brought up John Wick. Like so, all those bullets hits in John Wick, they it's like an instant death. They're dead, or you they got shot in there. Oh, they're dead. This one it feels like the fucking like it, for somehow like a, a, a visualist, uh, you know, visceral. It feels like those bullets burn. You're like if you got shot in the arm, like in any other movie, you go like ah, oh, and you fall down. This one makes it feel like oh god, that fucking burns. Oh oh, here comes stage yep. yes. two of the pain. Oh shit, uh, and you know what I mean. It's like man. Man, this fucking burns. So he makes bullet hits feel like actual pain. The like feel. I'm like, fuck!
0: I do not want to get shot by a gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And only one guy really does the whole like over dramatic like being pulled by wires. The dude in the oh, the, the, drug yeah. in the drug
3: partner. yeah, drug yeah. You never
0: yeah. see any of the other ones. It, it all feels like you're getting like when you if you watch people get shot, which on B movie TV you can watch people get shot on the Livid show. It's true. It's very disturbing.
3: Actually, that's a good point. Stunt the stunt work is. Uh, like just even the extras, the stunt guys in that, in that, uh, in the drug factory yeah. scene. And it's like, so funny just like, I mean, I'd love to know how they came up with the sort of like, like all this, that, that sort of ballet shit that, yeah. uh, that Weller was doing. I hope it was his idea. And he was like, because it's like, that's one of the greatest good guys tearing up a bad guy's enemy base of all time, just with the fucking pirouetting and the posturing and then all the stunt work yeah. being so brutal and like them all exploding pretty much. It makes <laughs> so much just, more like,
0: sense than equilibrium when Christian Bale does it, right? We're like, it looks cool when you do it, but it makes sense when he does it. Like when Robo yeah, does exactly. it, it's like yes. functional. Yes. It's like,
3: yes. Yeah, it's all just targeting and targeting and it's easy. It's like yeah. so easy That's for Exactly. It's
0: like he's running a program, not that he's deliberating and doing this. Yeah, it is
3: no emotion. It's just re- it's just like, okay, I'll clear clear the area.
0: Which I honestly <laughs> like I'll go on the record saying I rewatched Robocops remake for this. I don't don't mind it. I think that there it posits some very interesting questions. And I think that the idea of the deliberateness of human intervention, like us processing information would hold the robot back. So I could I, I think there's some good stuff there. I recommend everybody give it a rewatch. It's with you know, It's it just, just not as good. Pop. Yeah, it doesn't have the there's soul no of this it. one. There's it's no very zazz. functional, though.
1: No charisma. Cold. But now functional. talking about
0: violence and we're talking about blood shots and we're talking about all this shit. I have to talk about something. People got really upset when Zack Snyder let uh, Superman rip off a dude's head. People got really upset when Batman started shooting motherfuckers because they're like, they don't kill. This movie shows that you can make a guy who kills, kill dramatically, right? Like the idea of Superman is he doesn't kill anybody until the one guy. But on Robocop, we've seen kill after kill after kill. But when he goes after Clarence and he says, I'm not arresting you anymore. Verhoven likened that to Jesus, you know, when everybody's coming at him with their swords, I'll remind you that Jesus readied for war, uh, Luke twenty-two thirty-six. the only time I've looked at the Bible in a really long time, he that hath no sword, let him sell <laughs> his RoboCop. garment and buy one. But remember, Jesus was a dude who flipped fucking tables and whipped people when they did the wrong thing. So here's here's RoboCop being like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm, I'm going to exact biblical vengeance on you right now. Oh, it's so good. Oh, so fucking good, because it's when you think of a prime directive, technically speaking, when this guy has surrendered, he's overcoming a prime directive there.
2: And it's just great seeing Boddicker being thrown through all those windows. I'm yeah. Like, how many glass windows do they have in this It's actually a
0: glass window factory that also sold drugs Is on the side. <laughs> mm, well, I mean, uh,
2: it'll be interesting to see what their tax uh, returns look like.
3: <laughs> yeah, they made the glass to no. snort the coke off
1: of. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, and obviously, let we've got to talk about the, one of the greatest pieces of ad lib of all time when he's like, he's like, I don't want to fuck with you. <laughs> Oh, it's so <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah. Like, I, I refer- I, that's something that me and my my oldest friends, Russell Palmer, we reference like nearly like a couple of times a year. We'll just be like, it's just it's so ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yes. it's, it's amazing. Kurt Smith in this is so good. You wonder why he wasn't just the guy for everything forever. Like it's just he's so good in this. He's so disgusting. Like his partner, Joan. Perkle is Dick's assistant and he is disgusting to her. I don't know that I could be that disgusting to my wife, even if you paid me money. And he's so good at it.
1: And the fact that he is not the top tier baddie in this film is just mind blowing.
0: Yeah, well, watching it again
2: too, I, I um, it, like when RoboCop sticks his uh his his little doohickey inside the TV to to pull up the police files, like you see, Botic, like there's so much explained just in this. Like I said, it goes back to not having to talk about dialogue when you see his police record come up. It's the like it's like heat, arsony. Man. Uh, murder Everything. yeah he had like I think it was rape, like 15 yeah. counts of rape I'm like what the fuck and like you know what I mean it's just it's like an and he's, he's out in the street right
1: without spoon feeding yeah
2: yeah you don't have to explain to anyone just there's the visual stuff you pick up what you want if you don't pick it up that's fine it's there so it's kind of like you're, you're reading more into lore just by paying attention to what's on screen
0: well and Weller spoke of this in talking about one of the reasons why this film is appreciated it's a th- idea in film that True art speaks to you most effectively when it challenges you intellectually or it, it, you know, it has a contrivance like that and it delights you. And that's one of the things. So often we appeal to the lowest common denominator and we completely are exclusionary in that regard because it's like, God fucking damn it. Like, stop talking for the movie. Talk for your character. Talk to express the yes. character. I don't need you to exposit information. I will understand the context. I will understand this. And so often it's just completely alienating where I'm like, I hate this movie, but this movie does such a tremendous job of immersing you in a completely different world, different economic system, different everything. And it never treats you like you're stupid. And I'm not saying you have to be a genius to like this film, but I'm showing that this movie could have fallen pitfalls to catch you up to speed and be like, oh, well, we have to have our omni-consumer products coupon to come in. No, no. It's just what it is. And it's so seamless.
1: It's honest. It does it right. And it's like the thing that bothers me the most in anything, like I said, is spoon feeding. It's like I love the MCU. I love all the shows that they're doing. I'm, I'm just it, there's always a scene. WandaVision, there was a scene. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There was a scene like every movie has a scene where it's just like we're going to spoon feed you an entire character in a two minute scene and you're going to be so caught up. And it is jarring. I hate it. It's the worst thing in film or just any art is just give people credit to pick up on what you're doing. You know, you're not having confidence in your art making if you're doing that.
2: Oh, and it's just like the simple shots too. like the scene where they're in the bathroom and they don't realize Dick's in the stall, like just the shot of them (sighs) talking shit about him. And then he like zip as soon as he sees him, he's like, oh, oh," and he is. They just show one shot of piss in his pants he's like oh i'm gone i'm like that just explains so much like you fear this guy
1: everything with one stain
0: yeah and it goes you know especially creating that relationship because dick is dick cheney and the old man is George Bush a lot, you know. Like it's so funny how you see these things where you have a figurehead, but the figurehead's not in control. Dick is in control. Dick is the one to be feared. Nobody gives a shit about the old man. It was actually really interesting uh, when it came to Newmeyer was talking about the creation of the old man. Uh, it's a- he actually based on Lou Wasserman from Universal and talked about how he was one day in an elevator with John Landis. And Lou Wasserman and Landis, who was swinging his big dick around Hollywood at the time, is desperately trying to get this guy's attention. And he's just like, yep, I don't care. You mean nothing to me. But it's like it's this idea of this like penultimate character is is very interesting. Now, we talked about Kurtwood Smith. We talked about uh, Nancy Allen. Did you know her part almost went to Stephanie Zimbalist, who pulled out last minute, which is great because Nancy Allen wanted this part she wanted her dad was a cop she wanted to do this that is divine intervention I think because I don't even know who the fuck Stephanie Zimbalist is but I tell you she couldn't do this
1: and I put her role up there with uh, Sigourney Weaver as Ripley Ellen Ripley completely I put Lewis on that that par that level is such a great part
2: yeah the one thing I could say about Robocop 3 that it had the cajones to do, it actually made you feel emotional when she dies. Yeah, I'm like, man, why'd you kill pissed. her off in three? Well, the only oh, reason that she took too. the
0: role was because she it was as part of her stipulation that she would die in that film, she wasn't coming <sighs> back otherwise. And like Peter Weller, Thespian Extraordinaire, was like, no, I'm not doing this. And let's talk about this as well Robocop, Terminator, those are two film franchises that I'm always very willing to. To just throw out the baby with the bathwater I don't really care about the Supplemental materials and we all know I'm a ridiculous completionist when it Comes to stuff I will read I Watched fucking Ivan the Terrible for this Episode right but like I Tried to watch the prime directives thing Nope I will try To watch the animated series nope I just like why like this movie Is so perfect that anything else Is just like it's not that it Compromises the original because I always hate when people Do that like like Adam like with you don't treat ghostbusters the 2016 as though it somehow invalidates the original ghostbusters no, you just disagree. Like you just push it
1: away, right? Yeah, it doesn't exist in my mind.
0: Yeah, and so with this, like I treat all of that supplemental material like it just doesn't exist because it's just, it can't, it's unfair. It's, it's this thing where you will never be as good. You will never align the stars this well in my lifetime. So there's just, I'm just not going to disappoint myself. Price, this is your favorite film. Do you fuck with any of that shit?
3: I mean, honestly, I've never, I have never seen the animated series. No. I... I, this is going to be awful but I've only made it through 20 minutes of Robocop 3 yeah um, I just felt it was just like I can't I don't want to disservice the original I actually like I actually really enjoy Robocop 2 It was just yeah. a slightly different film yeah but I like I like the sort of I like the ridiculousness of ridiculousness of the future drug nuke and the and the sort of the um, trying to tame trying to tame a wild animal which is quite interesting as far as the bad guy oh trying yeah to control that's like I like all those themes but, yeah, I think when you, it's, because it's classic Hollywood, you know, they, it's like something works so well, they think, oh, well, let's just film this up. Let's see what else we can, we can spring out from the, yeah. uh, from the IP. And I didn't hate the new, I didn't hate the new rubber Cop. But yeah. I, I love the, the, the shot of the brain just hanging there with the spinal column. So that was gnarly, like, right? Like, that's one of like the really, that sort of stayed with me more than the, the entire film. But as far as yeah. the visual, like a scene that's like incredible.
1: Now, uh, how about the directive video stuff. Had any of you guys seen any of that stuff? What is it like, dark directive or, or something like that? It's, I yeah. did 15 minutes of one of them and I was like, never again, never again, because Boat it was machine. hitting that point of like, <laughs> I don't want to sell you. Yeah yeah no yeah. thanks
2: yeah I, I, i've never seen any of it but i can say one thing i've picked up i remember seeing like bits and pieces of the cartoon show as a kid and the only thing i remember is uh my brother and i still reference it when uh, he grabs one of the bad guys and uh he's like where's your sense of humor and robocop says right here and he just punches <laughs> <laughs> <I'll give laughs> so that. that's like
1: a good line that. <laughs> yeah
2: And it was like those typical Streets of Rage type bad guys where there's like Mohawk and well, RoboCup 3 had like typical like video game bad guys, the Mohawk guy and punks and
1: vests and chains
2: yeah, like the vest and uh, you know the 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 egg yolk do. but yep. but RoboCop two. Uh, I was telling them before. I think we were we were talking before this. RoboCop two is uh, not necessarily horror, but it's a creature feature, and that's what I love. It's it's a monster movie. It's a monster versus yeah. monster fight, and I love. that. I think RoboCop
0: yeah. two is more horrific than this film in the sense of like the themes that it addresses. You're talking about rampant drug use. I mean, because it, it's just it's this movie, and then it's a couple of other additional things. So I think that movie is easily argued as horror more so than this one, in my opinion. What do you guys think?
2: Oh, yeah, it's got child death and everything.
1: It's in such a different lens, though. The way that it deals with children in that definitely ups the horror. But you have to look at it differently. Like if you go from watching the first one to watching the second one next, it's almost like you need a palate cleanser to switch to the brand of horror that is the second one just because everything they're doing with the child soldiers and having them make the nuke and stuff like that, it's just, it's jarring, but it's not like Murphy's hand being blown off jarring or that guy getting pumped full of just Ed's hot load, you know?
3: Oh, God, I just remember just the, the the one, the torture scene of a cop when the doctor's tapping him on his windpipe. Oh, my God. Mm. That, that scene is like probably one of the, that's up there with like the audition as far as like. Yeah,
0: with the Ugh. piano oh, yeah. wire
3: it's not like the real like he's just going he's like no don't do this and he's like tapping listening to this. and so that stayed with me like really really brutally
0: yeah and it shows like it, what's great is murphy is not a human at the end of this film he's still a cyborg you know a part man part machine all cop he's he's never gets his humanity back he even says like i can feel them I but can i can't feel yeah. yeah like it's just beautiful like he's he's compromised. he will never be him again. You even wonder if he has a brain under there because unlike the 2014 one, you don't actually see his brain. for all you know, it's just circuits yeah. with some you know skin on top of it. And then when you get to two, he is so much more human than Robocop 2 with Kane. what's crazy is it's it resets the barometer. Right. Like, you know, from us to RoboCop is a huge gap. And if from RoboCop to this one is a huge gap. Imagine how huge the gap is to us lowly humans. Like it does a really good job of just this almost like fetishistic, like hyper character.
2: Well, then RoboCop 2 has some good uh like I remember the the brain scene as a kid like kind of traumatized me when they smashed the yeah, brain dude. and then that that weird uh lawnmower man effect uh, of of yeah, Kane's Kane. face. So gross, I mean, right? the, yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's scary. And <laughs> I mean what what else can you say? Uh, have you ever seen a movie with a drug addicted robot? <laughs> it's amazing and there's a <laughs> right? lot of
0: questions that come out of it.
1: <gasps> dude, I love that. a very that the, Reagan era yeah. movie that come out of Kane are like Still like gimme, gimme, gimme the drugs, give me the drugs. They're like little crackhead hands. I, I I loved that effect.
2: Oh yeah. The last the last 20 minutes of Robocop 2, like fuck, I just I could sit there and rewind it over. I'm like, I love it. It's claymation, stop motion, action, and explosions. Like that's that's my that's my carrot wax.
0: And then yeah. we have to talk about this, guys. We've gotten to the, oh, near the end of the episode. I don't I didn't want to go through the narrative of the film necessarily, because like I literally could break down every scene so intently. But there's a scene we have to talk about mm, when he shoots the yeah. guy in the dick. Yep. Mm, yeah. Who's who's walking us through the dick shooting scene?
3: Oh, I mean, I, I, if it's dicks, so you got to talk to the Brit. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, I, I presume you saw that amazing spoof, a remake yeah, mm-hmm. part of, it's part of yeah. our
0: of remake. Yeah, it's amazing, and if you haven't Watch seen it, it you can morning. go on Vimeo and see it. Yeah. But
3: there was also so another. Dicks. There was a. a, a character there was a. Um, I think, believe it was a. It was a it was an std or condom advert made in australia where they did it they they remade that scene uh shot, for shot <laughs> but it's fucking wild i'll i'll send it it's to the you it's the dick
0: shoot it's that's not the
1: dick shooting Please it's another do. one
3: it's a dick shooting but it's it's a it's a it's a shot by shot remake but for a charitable psa um oh. and, it's, and it's amazing it's um i'd love to know if that was if that was an addition in the original script or oh, that was something i thought man this whole thing this thought all the masculinity we could just like counterpoint it with this like hilarious and the fact that the, my favorite points when she's like when she goes up to him and he's like i will notify a rape crisis center you know and she's she yeah. he has no emotion she's fully emotional and um yeah what a like one of the best like also just roaring comedy as well and it's great
0: because it's come yeah. comeuppance right <laughs> yeah go, go ahead i cut you off take
3: away the weapon
2: no i was gonna say the uh, the the intro to this uh like for example when the scene starts you know they, they're cutting the girl's hair and stuff and then you get that that presence of RoboCop's shadow coming up on the wall and you could tell it's stop motion but it just gives me chills i'm like man you, just the sound and then you see the the the, the giant shadow coming through and i'm like that's just that, that's good stuff i
1: was reading somewhere that that was that. planned on the day like the uh i think verhoeven made that choice to be like hey why don't we just try and do that because she uh, the actress had her legs spread and he's like hey hmm hmm and then just has this idea and it's like hmm, i think it's brilliant it's one of the like best scene in the movie
3: <laughs> yeah also that whole montage when it's, just, it's all robocock solving crime and you've got the the guy yes. you know like, fuck me fuck me oh you're so going, good no, but what amazing scene you got that you got the yeah the, the 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 dick shooting and i think is there one more there's
2: the one where the the guy's taking the mayor hostage oh, he's like well, and i want yeah, i want a car that, yeah. that gets seven miles per gallon <laughs> right, I'm, gonna about, <laughs> I'm gonna say so this
1: about i'm gonna say this about this movie that i've never said anything before i wish ghostbusters did it as good as that you know In their montage in that film, I wish we saw them busting more ghosts like as we saw RoboCop just Um, going, just handling fucking scumbags like that is the only thing in my mind that would have made Ghostbusters better. And that makes this kind of have that tear up to me.
0: Well, one of the things. So this film is one hundred and two minutes. It's it's really short for the amount that they give you. And again, it goes to visual storytelling. Like so here's here's the thing that I think both Price price, and Doug, you can both talk to this because you've done film budgets. When it comes to this film, you know, in ghostbusters that is basically b-roll footage for a lot of the montage when they're like running and stuff it's just fluff Mm -hmm. right it's no offense it's just fluff but this is deliberately i'm budgeting to have a non-spoken scene where we're doing or a scene where it's not main characters a scene that doesn't pay off that doesn't foreshadow anything a scene that's just this and while it is somewhat montagey it's it's so essential to the film can you talk about like your filmmaking process and doing those de- like tough decisions to say, Oh, we could have spent a lot of money somewhere else that might pay off differently, but this is necessary for the structure of the film. Let's hear yeah, it from price. How about um, that?
3: Sorry like, yeah. It's like, I mean, I think I just, that just, it just proves that the script was so tight really that you knew that there wasn't, they weren't, you know, you can have, there'd be a point in a script which says, montage of the Ghostbusters newsreel style yeah. and then you know, that, you know that there's a narration, there's some like screens on screen and like whatever they can kind of, the editor can pick up some of the, yeah, like the B-roll, second camera, whatever. But like the Verhoeven the movie is just, you know that it's a tight, it's like there wasn't any fluff. It was like the, the commercials, I presume, were completely written. The... The three story, the three sequence montage of RoboCop being RoboCop was just super tight It's just and like so there's lean. Not like, it's lean, yeah, it's lean, and they it meant that they could put all the budget into basically blood squibs. Yeah, <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, because that's what you remember. Like like you mentioned, too, that these are sequences. So more is like where Ghostbusters just like kind of random. Not them running and then they get a few things here and there. It's like probably like three to five seconds.
1: That was more montage. Robocop is more vignette. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Like they're little stories, like little side pieces that take a place. I mean, just the sequences of this one, they were slicker than a sexually awakened nun. Huh. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> There's really no way around I exactly it there. Saying, and Yeah. I, yeah and uh when it comes down to me i'm granted you know i'm i'm the, the movies i've done have been uh, you know 500 bucks here and there and it's just mostly people working from stuff in a basement but i think when it comes down to to cutting the more stuff you have like that it, it works because it's like okay could we, we could we could schedule time to shoot this sequence and this sequence and uh, just kind of put them all together like you know you don't have to worry about getting regular act you know the the main actors in for a specific scene this is just a one-off and i think that's what makes it work so well because it's it's episodic with its pieces and you know with the way shooting it you could shoot with a uh, totally different cast and just have the one person there it makes it a lot easier
3: what i love the through line on, on robocop as well as the sort of the the newsreel catch-ups which are which are brilliant um yes. you know especially when they're like good luck good luck lieutenant yeah. you know with these vapid
0: dead eyes and they're so it's up close to
3: good so but like that you've got this that's a through line that the newsreel stuff you've got the commercials obviously and and also you know i'll buy that for a dollar which is just like a brilliant, so brilliant addition as far as like consumer culture and like capitalist kind of like just parody and like that kind of being a through line that all the bad guys are all the bad guys watch it
0: well you know that's actually a literary reference as well too right
2: what I'd buy that for a dollar?
0: Yeah, I always hate when people say as well too. I, I I'm gonna criticize myself for that publicly, but the uh, Bigsby Snyder's one, it's a, a sci-fi story called "The March of the Moron." But I believe it's would you buy that for a quarter? Uh, so it's actually it's from like the 50s. But you're right. What it's what it is referring to is also doing what you're saying. But I had I had to say it. Cause I research everything. Uh, yeah.
2: Good ref. Well, you want to know what too? remember? Remember Jake, when you said, I bring up these weird things where I combine universes. I, I as, when I was younger, I used to think that I'd buy that for a dollar guy was, uh, was I'm manic. I'm frantic from short circuit to the guy who runs radio nice. Shack. So I used to think that they were the same. So it's like, Oh, you know, the, that's a uh, RoboCop And Johnny five are in the same universe I would together. I love That
0: buddy cop film. I'll tell you right.
1: Oh. Fucking now. To be made. <laughs> so what I was going to say about how lean this film is, and I've, I've been talking about this on the, on like the mutant goons page and stuff. It's like Astron six could take such a page from Verhoeven in how tight and how lean this movie is. It's like if psycho Gorman, like, you know, I have a gripe with that film. It's like, it had such a, an amazing premise with things they could have done. If they just trimmed it down, cut the fat, That could have been amazing. But I think that's what Verhoeven does so amazingly well in this film. It's there is not one scene that doesn't need to be there. Not one frame. I mean, those arms, those even still need to be there, you know, but I think that's it. It's just what makes this film the masterpiece that it is, is how tight and lean it really is.
2: Maybe you should watch Psycho Goreman against Stone. I really enjoyed that, Dude, m- that movie a lot. I ended times. up buying the it's Blu-ray.
1: Such a trudge. I'm sorry. It's just them jacking themselves off. It's like cut. Like well, that's one thing. We- t- three montages. We did get still into that. Got three more.
3: My name is Adam Burr. I am an artist, a podcaster, and the biggest fan of Astron Six, specifically Psycho Goreman. In the entire fucking world.
0: And Verhoeven's very open about being like, yeah, so much of this was already in the script. And I think that he what makes him so compelling as a filmmaker is getting the best out of the script, you know, doing things in a way where it, it like, cause, you know, Starship Troopers is based on a book. I mean, the, the, the material that he yeah. has very well written material he immerses himself in. But, you know, like, he's a guy who's also very critical. Like, when he read the script, the title uh, Robocop, the future of law enforcement, he throws it on the fucking ground and says, no. And so, like, short of, like, putting himself in the dance scene in the nightclub, I can't think of anything that's, like, self-indulgent, that is a trope of his. that Anything like At that were... At all.
3: If, yeah. At all. That's the thing. That's totally a, a good point about Verhoeven. Because Verhoeven is all about the film's identity, not yeah. his own. So exactly. he sort of has this grasp of, like, what... The film should be how it should be approached, and what you should feel from that genre or whatever. Like same with like yes. yeah, with a starship recall or Showgirls, which is like, well, you know. it's so pure. And, like,
1: he's, it's just pure for the yeah, film. It's so
3: pure, totally. So like he's just like he's not a he's not an ego director. He even though he might be a megalomaniac on set, which you kind of have to be, and yeah. he's like high budget, right? But people uh, love he, him
0: for it. Like, Botten came back and, and, you know, he works with a lot of the same people again because they see the method in the madness at the end of the day.
3: Yeah, I mean, I even loved L. I thought L, one of his recent films, was, like, unbelievably incredible. And I only Beethoven could have done that because he leant into what that whole relationship was between, you know, the sort of the, the, the two leads. Like, and not many people would do that, like, lean so hard, like, as far as, like, what is the identity of this film and will... That is what the film will be rather yeah. than like, oh, I'm going to do my take on it. He sort of, you know, he's, he's true to the that's script. What makes and a
0: masterpiece. We- well, and that's that L is another great one, too. It's another movie that he did that's based on a novel. I mean, it's a very literary, like, well thought out thing. You know, you, some of his movies, I'll admit, like, Hollow Man kind of falls flat. Like, it's fun to yeah. watch. It's kind of like campy. But I mean, you look through the rest, the, look at Total Recall. Again, based on Philip K. Dick, uh, the story, you know, we can remember it for you wholesale is entirely different and involved. And enti- it's just, it's just not the same thing to what the script is. But like you look at that movie and compare it to this one in terms of how extra it is, how violent it is, how cr- everything is so excessive and hyper, hyper everything, but they don't feel like clones of the same movie. It's not Robocop in space, Mm-mm. which again kind of goes to what you're saying. It's not his identity that's important. It's the material because he goes from that to Basic Instinct, to Showgirls, to Starship Troopers. I mean, he ping pongs quite a bit for his American film.
1: They honestly don't feel made by the same person, how much he separates his ego from the art. And it's 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 brilliant. I mean, he's so diverse. It's it's hard to believe that one person could allow himself to get that diverse without slipping back into tropes. I mean, his trope is almost diversity. Yeah. Truly,
3: and this new film is about you know uh, sexualized nuns, so it's going to be brilliant. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I, oh, I got to see that now, one.
2: Doug. Uh, see, and so now he's just going into the nunsploitation category. So, see, he's well rounded in in horror. So, I think you win, Jake.
0: Bendetta. I think you win. It's the movie shouldn't be called Bendetta. It should be called B for Bendetta. Thank you very much. So, let's take a <laughs> vote, guys. Is this is Robocop a horror film?
2: All right, well, I yeah. guess I'll, I'll jump in first. Yes, it is a splatter action. It, it's it's splatter action.
1: Fashion horror.
2: Yeah, Fra- it's Frankenstein meets a revenge film. So yeah, it's it's horror. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Yeah.
0: that actually be really interesting <laughs> if Frankenstein, if every piece of him was from a murdered person and it was like a series of him like going after and avenging, like, oh, you killed my pinky, prepare to die. You killed my left testicle, prepare to die. I like that idea a lot. Bryce, let go to like, like, you. That's Shelley's old boy. Pitch,
3: that's the pitch in, uh, in The Sopranos. Really? You know, for, the, for the movie they make.
0: Really? God damn it. I'm an idiot.
3: It's like the, the <laughs> Frankenstein that gets killed by the mafia and it gets all the, the body pieces get put in different areas and it has to, yeah, you yeah.
0: that. <laughs> I like it. So do you, sir, your favorite film of all time, do you concede? Have I compelled you? Do you believe that this is a horror film?
3: 100%. I think it's, the it's as, as far as, being My favorite movie, it's an action horror and um, yeah, and, and a monster comedy. I mean, it's like it's sort of like five things, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's perfect.
1: And Adam, I leave it with you,
3: yeah, man. I
1: like I said, you had me at Frankenstein, but I mean, Lewis and uh, the old man, they're both horror alums. I mean, the old man being from uh, season of the witch, Halloween three, and just Lewis getting her start in uh, Carrie. It was that wasn't her start, but uh, was it? I'll have to look that up, but in uh, Poltergeist 3, uh, she just, uh, this thing has so many horror elements going for it. Like I said, the gore has stuck with me more than anything in a traditional horror film. And like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a monster movie, a Frankenstein revenge film. It's Mary Shelley's old boy, man. Yeah. So I feel good about this. Now, in terms
0: of a classic, tragic or tragic, we all agree this is just an absolute classic of a film, right? There's just no. No subject for classic. debate.
1: <laughs> Across the board. Oh, yeah. No
2: classic. In fact, I wish I brought him on here. I have a little, uh, I have a, like a this size uh, version of RoboCop and a Funko Pop. I wish I brought him on here, but he's up there right now. So, yes, classic. Absolutely. perfect.
0: All right, gang. Bryce, you have stuff that you're working on. Are you allowed to talk about some of the stuff you're working on? or was? Oh, um, just...
3: yeah, okay. quite yet, but fucking very interesting shit. I did. I have to say I had to name drop one person I did meet two weeks ago. And it was Joel Silver. And he was my, my, he produced Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Old October, all the lethal weapons for everyone who doesn't know. And it was kind of like a, a weird career highlight. So, um, but um, yeah, i have got some really cool shit <sighs> happening. I would say a uh, supernatural martial arts documentary. I'll, I'll say that.
0: And if you need extras, I'll tell you, I, I'm local. I work free. I'm just saying Doug does the same thing.
2: I do the same thing too. Yeah. In fact, I'm working on a bunch of different sets and I'm working with a bunch of latex monsters right now um, for James Balsamo. He's doing a, he does a bunch of films, but um, yeah, this one's alien danger. So and uh yeah so working on some stuff with uh techno destructive from from gore so that, that's that's pretty cool i'm pretty happy about that but i gotta check out your your films too price so i'm, I'm
0: excited I'm at, for your yeah, roster oh, of, we're of stuff doing,
3: we're doing the barbie version okay. of my Action Man.
0: that's what i was so- wanting to plug i wasn't sure <gasps> if you're allowed to yeah. i'm awesome. so fucking excited about this please yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. it's uh, it's it's gonna be uh, equally if not more brutal more um more sort of socially oh. poignant it's a <laughs> Basically, it's another, another PSA. We're sort of looking at the sort of a uh, the body dysmorphia as a as, as a root caused by social media yes. and sort of um, toxic social media. So
1: I can't wait yeah, it's to see be this. Very brutal. Yeah, I send it to everybody too. I know, man.
0: Yeah, and we featured it on B Movie TV, and it was a big hit.
1: Yeah, it played on there. Mm-hmm. A
0: lot of comments, a lot of live feeds. People loved it. So, okay,
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we unfortunately we won't have Matt Berry because uh, we're going to use a female voice, but it should be equally as a. Uh, you know, sort of punch through the internet. Um, yeah, where there's a couple of scenes that are brutal, so you guys will love it. <laughs> if you'd
0: like, I can punch Matt in the balls until he sings Soprano for you, and then he could just play the part again. Perfect. <laughs> now, Doug where can we find you every Friday night aside from this I I watch I listen to this episode and I say god damn it I need more Doug in my life how do I get it
2: so if you want to find me follow me at Doug Bizarro on Instagram Uh, I post a lot of my uh, shenanigans there but I host a show on Fridays at B Movie TV Fridays at 8 o'clock which is available on your Roku and we show a bunch of exploitation uh, lost VHS films from the 80s 90s uh, films that haven't gotten a DVD or Blu-ray release and uh, and Jakey Poo Jakey Poo has has a show on b movie tv saturdays at 10 p.m some good stuff there we get to see a superhero horror movie (sighs) called doorman (laughs) yeah this week's
0: gonna be an interesting one after that because i i definitely blew a wad there and i uh i'm I'm just gonna i'm gonna give you a little a little tease it's short so i have a lot of room in my hour 55 block to explore and get fucking weird (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey
2: go for it that's what people want uh you know this is this is like public access tv you got to be as weird as possible because that's stuff that sticks yeah. so yeah so just go ahead and follow me and follow us on uh, B Movie tv we got uh, some good stuff going on i'm working on uh, one of the death park films that ken uh, the guy who runs the channel so some good gore in there so we'll, we're, i'm excited to see once it's finished i'm trying to think what else we have going on Alien danger. So, you know, keep an eye out for that because I'm working on some the latex monsters there. So I still got some rubber on my hands. So I might use that for later. We'll see.
1: There we go. And Adam, I wanted to find and support you how I do that. Yeah, you can find me over on Instagram at otherboy underscore art. Things have been a little bit slow lately with the uh, whole arm recovery. Uh, but getting back to it, we have some merch items and uh ideas planned that are going to be coming soon so stay tuned for that. Uh it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, follow me on Instagram and uh admire my art here, you know. If if anyone noticed Adrian was missing because she's been uh getting some upgrades, huh, Patreon exclusive video. Also, our redbubble slasherspod/redbubble.com
0: I had talked about this with Adam, and I mentioned earlier I've already ordered both of the novelizations. So if you'd like to have bonus content where I analyze those, let me know, cause I'm I be reading. I'm reading like a storm. I read Boys from Brazil in in a day, uh, despite having a real job, a fake job, and two kids and a How wife. How do so. you
1: function?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I just couldn't put it down. It was so good. Ira Levin's an amazing loss author. loss
1: of time, dude. It, it blows my fucking mind.
0: Yeah, uh, that's on top of the two shows too. Uh, so yeah, let us know. I'd absolutely love to do that. And if you have novelizations of films that we've done, absolutely reach out to me if you're willing to part with it, even if you're willing to part with it for a price. I would love to explore doing that, even like a follow-up on episodes we've already done, just talking about novelizations. and whatnot like, would be fun. Like look at Gremlins for Christ's sake. Gremlins has the best novelization of all time it's chaos it's fucking uh, empathic aliens for christ's sake but uh price thank you for being on the show as always i'll include your deets you, in the goddamn description of this episode you're always welcome back for adam doug price and adrian my name is jake saying goodbye and good die adam and Gorman sitting in a tree f-u-c-k-i-n-g first comes adam then comes gore man, then comes a baby out of Adam's puckered hiney. It's your favorite robot, fueled by sass and peyote, cyber slash 1000. I am very, very happy to present this week's hidden track. It is Ritual Scars by hidden track Salam, the cult sounds. You may recall Jordan was even on an episode last year. Their new album, Death of a Star, is a liar of a title, because it is going to make new stars. By that I mean they will be stars. As in famous. Gah. That was overly sentimental. Quick, before the song starts, imagine me fisting your dad. Okay, song time.